Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Jacob Badsgard. Jacob, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Hey, excited to be here. So tell our audience a little bit about Jacob Badsgard. Well, you know, I, I, interesting background. I grew up, I've got uh, 10, ki- 10 siblings in my family, grew wow. up in Utah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I currently run a business that's called Disruptive Advertising. Mm-hmm. And uh, people come to us to help them advertise on Google and Facebook primarily uh, is what we help businesses with. And we've been doing this for about five years Um, uh, in the agency. We've got about 120 people here now and we've been growing pretty quickly because of the unique approach we take. So it's been a lot of fun and pretty stressful as well. I I can't even imagine. I mean, so you, you went from, was it, did you start this as a kind of a one man shop? That's correct. And you went from one to 120 in five years? Yep. And as I, I think I saw somewhere, uh, either on Facebook or maybe the website, it said, you're, we're hiring. Maybe it was on LinkedIn. So I, are you in a constant state of hiring? Yeah. Uh, well, probably in 2019, we'll hire another 40 to 50 people. Um, and yeah, it's, it's grown pretty quickly. I never thought we would uh, need a, a HR leader in the company and a recruiter. And those are the two things that we're currently looking to bring in because the, we've been winging it so far. And <laughs> uh, in terms of recruiting and hiring and, and doing all that. And uh, so that's one of the things that we're focused on right now. It's easier to wear all the hats when there's, there's one or two people in the company than it is. When there's <laughs> 20, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> so that you mentioning that, kind of uh, sparked something in my mind uh, a little bit maybe is in your bio you talked about this idea of of instead of hiring somebody to higher salary maybe hire somebody to lower salary and develop them into that into that leader can you ex- touch on that just a little bit because you, you mentioned kind of your HR process and the fact that you're hiring all the time you know constantly hiring people and you're in this kind of exponential growth period so so touch yeah. on that a little bit well uh, the needs change uh, in the maturity cycle of any business, mm-hmm. and the any scalable business model cannot rely on just finding a bunch of uh, experienced and talented people that are are magically going to be at the right price point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one of the things that I found was that um, integrating senior members that at higher costs in the organization. Uh, proved to be a pretty difficult and mm-hmm. B the the payback period and break even period uh, was usually pretty challenging and pretty extended. Um, and so we've tried to find the right balance of how many more junior to mid-level resources can we bring on to senior or even leader type roles that we bring on. And we found a lot of success with most of our hires being more on that junior sure. and or, uh, you know, maybe mid-level mm-hmm. and, and creating a really, good plan for them to grow and develop here. And so uh, some of the things that we've done to facilitate that is I regularly speak and or teach classes at the local universities. Um, and, you know, we, we have a, a pretty large internship program. Mm-hmm. And we really just screen through and find the people that have the attributes that we're looking right. for. And, um, and then we've got a very uh, specific and clear career path for people when they come here. And uh, when we do our company surveys or manager surveys, um, of course, we always get mixed feedback of things that people love and things they'd like to see improve. And regularly, uh, one of the top highlights that most people bring up is, I love 
that I know exactly what I need to do to grow, progress, and become the professional and develop the skills that I'm looking for while I'm here. And because that career path has been backed up with myself and my finance uh, leaders to align that with the cost structure of the organization, people know, okay, this is what I do. And when I do that, that's how I make more money, grow on position and title. And I know that the company's winning at the same time because it's all been reverse engineered to align with profitability and cost structure of the organization. So I know you're going to probably answer this in a self-deprecating, humble manner, but how many companies actually take that approach in hiring? Because that, that to me sounds like that, that is extremely strategic in hiring and developing talent. And not only that, I mean, as you were talking, the two, two things that, that also came to mind was you also can build in company culture into them from the beginning. They're not, they're not bringing a lot of, you know, for, for lack of a better term, the pejorative term of baggage, you know, to the, t- to the table. But you can also, you know, really see them through the development. And I would think your retention level will be much higher because of the things you're putting in place. So I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but those are just some thoughts that came to mind as you're kind of outlining your, your business approach. So, I mean, it seems like very few companies are really that strategic about this. Well, I think that you're correct when you think more of the small business, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, it, it is really difficult to scale a business from a talent standpoint if you don't have a good recruiting, hiring, right. onboarding, and, and progression plan for new people. And so I think you're right, uh, depending on the size of... Now, if you look at really large companies, they have to do it this way. And so that's what they actually do very regularly. Um, I would also say that there's, there are trade-offs. Um, when you get people right out of school and or uh, younger in their career, sometimes they don't even know when they've got a good thing going. Oh, some of the best people sure. that we've... <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, some We're of the people that we've shiny. got here, <laughs> yes. And so that's one of the challenges that, that uh, as we look for the right uh, cultural fit in the organization, mm-hmm. uh, to, to kind of work around that as well. Because people that have had a bad job or two, where they didn't feel like they could grow and progress, where they didn't feel like they were appreciated, um, come here and they're like, I'm never leaving. This is fantastic. <laughs> this is so great, right? And, and so that's why we really do try to balance that in terms of the number of people that are coming through the internship program and coming in uh, as, as junior resources in the company. Um, that, that would probably be about where 40 to 50% of our hiring and development is occurring. Then about the other 40, 30 to 40% is happening from people that are in that three to five years of experience in their mm-hmm. career. Right. And that less than 10% are the senior people that we need for specific functions that have experience in the ways that we need it. Right. And that's kind of our balance that we've found is that's the right mix for us. Mm-hmm. And that way we're not oversaturating with inexperienced talent. Um, we're getting a lot of people kind of right in that sweet spot as well. And then and then most of our leaders and managers are developed from within. Right, um, right. But, you know, when we need to hire an HR person, for example, that's a little trickier to just, you know, change someone's hat that doesn't have experience doing that right. internally. So, you know, th- right. those are where some of the other ones come from. And, if, you know, every now and then if you're bringing in a senior person, I mean, there's also kind of a deepening of the proverbial gene pool you know, that, that they can bring some things. I mean, it's not all kind of, you know, internal, um, you know, just 
just like-minded, you know, thinking that is happening because you've developed all of your talent internally. So sometimes there's this, this external, you know, input that you can receive from, from being, bringing people into the, in the process too. And sometimes that's just refreshing because I think you're right. You can kind of start to get group think mm -hmm. and, and people not challenging as much. Now yeah. that does happen. Um, I have a lot of opinionated people here, so it hasn't been too much of an issue. Uh, <laughs> but absolutely, that's uh, that's something that I think is healthy for, you know, I think it's really important for culture to see progression and promotions happening internally. And I think it's also important for culture to bring in different, uh, still in alignment, but different right. uh, ways of thinking and different perspectives. For right. sure. Now, earlier, or in 2018, I interviewed one of your one of your kind of mid-level managers, Chris Daly, and great interview. Um, and he's he's maybe an example of somebody you brought in, like at a at a at, you know the three to five year stage or something like that out of out of college. So um, does that kind of fit the mold that you're looking at? Yeah, Chris is actually I would um, he's a, he's a senior member of the team mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the leaders in the company. So I would say he was one of the few people that we brought on as kind of a heavy hitter mm. experienced uh, leader in the company. Yeah. And fortunately that one worked out great. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's very sharp and was very amicable on, on the interview. So I was, I enjoyed, enjoyed the time we got to spend together and just learn a little bit about disruptive advertising. And now I'm going to get the, get a little different perspective because we're talking to the CEO. Yeah. So Ed, unpack a little bit, uh, just talk about your company and, and, maybe where your sweet spot is you have, you know, specific industries that you focus on. Yeah. Well, uh, before I started disruptive, uh, my background was actually in implementing web analytics and reporting for large, you know, fortune 100 type companies. Mm -hmm. And so I actually had no marketing background. My degree was actually in information systems. Okay. And if you had ever asked me, for the, uh, during my degree or for the first few years of my career that I would end up running a marketing agency at some point. Um, I hadn't even thought about that as an option, <laughs> which is interesting, right? Um, the, the way that, we, that I got introduced, and this will kind of help uh, lay the, the groundwork for what it is that we do, is it was all data first. Let's track everything that's going on with your paid uh, marketing online, with your organic, with your social, with everything. Let's get good attribution in place so we can kind of see everything that's going on. And then let's let the data start making a lot of those marketing decisions for yeah. us, right? Uh, rather than gut feel or aesthetics or, um, you know, brand and chalk. We don't actually need results. We'll just chalk it up to branding, um, which is usually what people say when they don't have a good measurement strategy in place. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's where I got my background. And then it just kind of naturally floated into, and now that we have good data, oftentimes the organizations that I was working with either didn't have the bandwidth internally or the expertise to act on that data. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where disruptive advertising was born, was, oh, that's the gap in the market that we can help companies get great data first. And then we, you know, we're not going to help them with all of it, but the areas that we can most specifically help them make good decisions with is in the, is advertising online because we can track it very well. We can tie it all together and we can use data to make that happen. My first client as an independent, um, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. They went from like 25 to 350 employees and we just blew them up. I just blew them up and it was like addicting and one of the funnest and you know challenging things that I was ever a part of. 
And that's what made me say, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm going to help companies get good data. And then we're going to help them execute on the social media and search and these other paid channels online to use that data to make great decisions and help grow the business. And so, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, I mean, so many of our, our interviews, we, we kind of touch on this idea of nothing's wasted. You know, nothing in past experience, past history leading up to kind of this aha moment that you have is nothing's wasted. But it seems like to me that the, the jobs that you were tasked with in these Fortune 100 companies were not only identifying the gap, but they were also, you know, you were also learning how to use the data that you would find. And because, I mean, you almost had to be self-taught because this is, this is such a burgeoning industry, you know, yeah. in the last five or 10 years. And, you know, it's, you, you don't go to university and get a degree in, you know, digital marketing 10 years ago. I mean, Correct. So, I mean, and so especially you, within the niche of web analytics within digital. Marketing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So touch on that just a little bit about the kind of the whole idea of how you made that transition was a side. Did you start side hustling at, the, at night while you still had your day job with, you know, non competing clients or uh, how did, how did yeah. you make that transition? And so uh, the first couple that I worked with, um, I actually just did some pro bono work for, and they were too small to actually engage with the company that I was working at. So I actually got permission from my manager to get them set up with some of the software and to help them out um, as kind of a sandbox for me to learn and, and sure. uh, figure some of these things out. And then ultimately, uh, it didn't compete because this, they were more of a software solution that we did consulting and implementation for. And then the actual acting on the data and running some of the marketing stuff was not a non-competing function. Right. And so, yeah, kind of got things going on the side. Some of it was just pro bono, helping people out, figuring things out myself. I was interested. Um, add some value first, right? I'm a big believer and give yep. value and then value always comes back usually uh, and then some. Yep. And, uh, and that's when I made that transition was, hey, saw the opportunity. I saw that uh, I was part of a large organization at this point. It was Adobe. Um, it had acquired the company that I was a part of. And I just, and I realized that my path to progression was not something that aligned with, with my goals, my professional goals. Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately why I broke off and, and got that going. And so, you know, seated the company. I remember writing a check for 50 grand and not taking a salary for the first little while and signing on an office lease that scared me to death. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to have to pay this when this doesn't work out. And, you know, this is going to suck real bad. And, but <laughs> hey, you burn the boats, right? Yeah, but you burn burn the ships. There's no there's no going back. And so it was signed a lease. It was, yeah, and don't so even my, have a website or a company name. I just signed the lease. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. And I, you know, fortunately, I had a supportive wife. I'm actually fairly conservative financially, so we had enough saved up in addition to okay, this doesn't have to work. Yeah, um, but I really want it to, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big believer in it's really important to be hungry, but not starving. Because if you're hungry, good things happen. You work hard. If yep. you're starving, people actually will make uh, ethically compromised. Oh, decisions. no question. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Act so out I'm of desperation. Yes. Just stay hungry. Don't stay starving. And uh, so that's how we got things going. And, and again, we kept it simple. Companies came to us. Uh, you know, oftentimes it was just referrals early on. Um, now we're at the point where 500 plus businesses reach out to us a month um, wow. to see if we can help them with their business. Most of them are too small or not the right fit for us. Mm -hmm. Our sweet spot, we've got enterprise companies that spend millions of dollars a month in, in ad budgets. 
And we work with uh, small businesses and home services or healthcare um, that are spending like a thousand dollars a month in, mm-hmm. in um, ad buys between Google and Facebook and, and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, the types of businesses that we like to work with, we know work well that we can drive results for and that they're looking to grow, uh, not just for a, a plug and play and just maintain. Uh, we want growth minded. And the, and the average client that comes to us is typically spending about anywhere from five to $50,000 a month between Google and Facebook. And they're not getting, quite getting the results that they're looking for. It's someone with multiple hats that's managing it for them and yeah. or an agency that it's just yeah. not working out. Um, they come to us and, and the ones that we want to work with, they want to grow as a business. And we mm-hmm. say, okay, yeah, maybe we're starting at five or 50,000. Our plan to get you to uh, this level of growth and here's how we're going to do it over the next 12 to 18 months. And so oftentimes our clients within 12 to 18 months are spending two, three, four times what they were um, when they started with us. And the return that they're getting is typically several multiples higher uh, with that as well. And so we've created some growth and opportunity for them. And really easy to measure. I mean, it, it's from a metric standpoint, it's easy to measure. Am I progressing or am I going backwards? So, I mean, it's not this ethereal, well, you know, we're going to try it. We kind of feel like this is working. Uh, we, we see it, we're seeing a little uptick in likes on Facebook, you know, that type of thing. So, I mean, you really well, are. Ours is a very performance driven marketing. We measure everything that we can measure. Mm-hmm. Um, we expect, uh, we, we work to ensure that it is achieving the ROI that is needed to justify the spend and our cost so that we're seen as an investment, not a cost. Right. Right. And there is benefit that we can't track, right? Because a lot of people saw the ads that didn't click on them that oftentimes do come back later and buy and those types of things. Mm -hmm. And so there is some brand lift that occurs. And we just say, that's the gravy, right? We don't want to be, that's not what we're positioning our value on. We're positioning our value on what we can track Mm -hmm. and uh, the value that that's driving for the organization. And just like the name of your podcast, the rising tide raises all ships, right? Right. when we've got effective marketing going on and what we can track as effective, it's still having influence outside of that as well. It helps everything perform better. Well, I mean, I think that's a nice, nice place to do a plug here. So I, I see a lot of synergy. You, disruptive advertising needs to be a sponsor of rising tide podcast. So we can talk about that. <laughs> later. So, sure. Tell me the, tell me the, the kind of your idea of one thing you mentioned a minute ago when we were talking about metrics. I mean, I think we tend to, tend to see metrics on a from an ROI standpoint we tend to say okay what's working but you're are you not just as concerned about what's not working I mean it's almost this like a B testing and and uh, you know kind of you know figuring out why people aren't clicking on these versus the fact that they are clicking on them because you know I, I you can have false clicks as well you can have people to clicking on things that just are you know they're just click happy or they're you know they want to yeah. go to follow links or whatever but you know, figuring out, is it the color? Is it the, the headline that we're using? Is it the, the font? Is it the timing? I mean, all these things are, I mean, are you not concerned with both sides of that coin? Um, absolutely. And I am a big believer. Uh, if we take one step back and then we'll take that, jump back into that. Businesses become their best selves when things aren't going great. Mm. That's when we learn yeah. how to be efficient. That's yeah. when we're scrappy. That's when we're hungry. Yeah. That's when we figure out the creative solution that works. Yeah. Well, it's actually the same with marketing. If we step back into that and 
This is where I see most businesses fail from a marketing standpoint. They try something, it didn't drive the ROI that they wanted, therefore it doesn't work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that say, yeah, Facebook doesn't work for my business or Google doesn't work for my, I'm like, okay, if you have a business model that you don't think you need a successful marketing strategy on Google and Facebook and Instagram with, um, you're high because you have to figure out that's where, that's what has everyone's attention. That's where people mm -hmm. are going exactly. to find solutions. Yep. So there's a better way to do that. And to your point, you oftentimes learn more from what didn't work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you learn from what did work yep. because, Hey, we found, we, you thought the pain points that your customers cared about were X, Y, and Z. Well, guess what? We tested something different and it resonated way better with them. Yep. And now all of a sudden we're using our advertising as market research mm -hmm. to say, okay, now we understand your audience better. Um, the pain points that they care the most about, the benefits that they care the most about, the price points that resonate with them better. And guess what? We're getting that in real time while we're driving sales. And yeah, it's not quite as profitable as we want yet, but all that information of what didn't work, we're now compiling into the right buyer personas, audiences, right. uh, spend strategies, the way that we position your brand, your products, your services. And then all of a sudden you've built a moat around the business yep. that the competition doesn't understand because now they're saying, I spend money on Google or Facebook and Instagram and it doesn't drive the return that I'm looking right. for. And then we're behind the scenes laughing and saying, that's where disruptive advertising, that's where, the, that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Outsmart your competition, don't outspend them. So that a year, two years down the road, they're scratching their heads and saying, how in the heck do these guys spend money on these platforms? Because every time we do, we're losing money, right? Yeah. Well, it's because we figured out everything that you know, did and didn't work. We put together, made things what they needed to be, um, increased lifetime value on the back end to make sure people that bought once are now buying twice, right. um, other things like that. And now all of a sudden, that's where the strategic uh, and competitive edge comes from in the marketplace is we can spend money where our competition can't and make a return. Mm -hmm. And, and show, that's show you in the metrics. Exactly. And that's what yeah. we call like a hashtag winning, right? No, like that's exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and you don't and have to sell your services that way. I mean, your no. services in essence sell themselves. Yeah. I mean, for sure. That's, what's, that's, why, we've, that's why we've grown very quickly. Um, because we're taking the approach of don't just believe us. Don't just say, generally speaking, are things working better in your business? Let us show you and put your, put your big boy or your big girl pants on because it's not all peaches and roses as we figure it out together. Yeah. yeah. Because we are going to find plenty of things that don't work and that's valuable for you to understand for your business. Exactly. I, I love the, the, the name of your company, you know, Disruptive Advertising, because you know, you hear the term disruption all the time. You know, it's, it's kind of a, one of these cliche catch terms, you know, these hackney, these kind of zeitgeist terms that, that are being used all the time. But the one thing in the, the a company that I worked for, you know, we've gone through a lot of transition and they, they use the term disruption. But if you don't have the strategic outcome in mind that you want to achieve, then all you're really doing is breaking stuff. Yep. You know, I mean, <laughs> disruption has to have a strategic plan and a strategic path. Otherwise you literally are just breaking stuff and it's, 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 it's carnage. It's not, you know, progress, you know, at yeah. the end of this. So, I mean, I, I can, I can tell that when you work with clients that, you know, you, you really almost start with the end in mind. This is where we are going to exponentially grow this because the, 
the metrics are going to bear out what to do. You know, they're going to tell us what to do as we, as we walk along this path. It's not going to be guesswork. It's, it's, you know, you're going to be able to see this. We may take a step back to get to take two steps forward, but you will be able to see this if you stay in the boat, you know, for a little while. So you got, you got to, you know, don't burn the ship. Stay in the boat. Don't burn it yet because we're still <laughs> right. in the boat. Right. Don't burn it while we're in it. Um, no. But that's where I, again, that, that's where I see most businesses that can't take that step forward mm-hmm. that are stuck where they are or slowly declining um, is that they need, they, they think that they have to see that ROI first. Yep. When, when a smart company and a smart marketer says, we are, that's exactly what we're figuring out. Sometimes it takes six to 12 months to really figure that out. Mm-hmm. And the companies that can push through and, ha- and push through that phase that it requires are the ones that win. The ones that, I, you know, my industry is interesting. There are so many companies that agency hop. And oh, yeah. if, they don't, if they don't get an ROI in the first two to three months, they cancel and try the next one, cancel and try the next one. And it's always everyone else's fault why their business isn't working. Right. Right. Um, where from my standpoint, speed I'm like, <laughs> speed dating, this is, you know, this is, this is, has, this relationship has no depth to it. Now, that being said, there are a lot of solutions out there that aren't going to get people where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that's one of the, uh, the challenges that we have in our industry is people haven't had a lot of bad experiences. Right. And that a lot of, a lot of uh, internal teams and agencies do just throw a bunch of crap up against the wall without the end in mind and without really tracking it very well. And that's the difference. The difference is I spent 50 grand and here's what I got for it. Um, here's what we learned. Here's what doesn't work. Here's what it did versus we spent 50 grand and did the, did the needle move for the business, but I can't give you any context as to what we actually learned. From right. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. We could, we could do the same thing the next quarter and lose 50 grand. And we yeah. really don't understand why, <laughs> why we and, gained yeah. the first quarter and lost in the second quarter because they, the, maybe the circumstances changed, you know, the, yeah. So what have, uh, what have I not asked you about specifically related to your business that you think would really be kind of germane to our listeners? Um, you know, any, any just really drilled down lessons learned in the last five years that, uh, you know, one or two, just pick out one or two that you said, man, I kind of wish I knew this in 2012 that I now know in 2019. Yeah. At number one. Uh, there's absolutely a thing as bad revenue. Um, I wish that I just had the courage to say no to more uh, clients early on um, in the business that I knew had unrealistic expectations that, you know, if you didn't hit it out of the park, it was, you know, just these stressful situations that we would find ourselves in where you're spending all your time on a couple of high maintenance situations right. uh, that are unlikely to uh, result in the outcome that really needs to happen for them to be happy. Um, and all that time that could have been spent in the in better situations, uh, I would have done that differently. I would have said no and been more selective on our clients initially. Um, I think that would have been better. Uh, the other thing that I've learned is that there is a fine balance um, of there needs to be process, there needs to be um, structure to any business for for consistent and repeatable results um, that are that are sustainable. And you have to have some variety to how you're doing things as well. And for me, that balance has been interesting. And 
I am a little bit more of that. Let's build the bridge as we're crossing, Mm -hmm. right? Like, let's go, let's figure it out. Let's move. And that's my personality. And I attracted a lot of people like that initially in the business. Um, I think that what I would have done and we, 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 and and that's my person. We do random cash games like every Friday. It's like, Hey, we're going to flip a coin. You want a hundred bucks, call it right. You know what I mean? Like just (laughs) things that just keep things fresh and creative and fun. And, um, so we do a lot of things like that. I think I would have probably spent more time on finding someone that was a lot more process minded mm. a little bit earlier in the business. Can I give you to balance? create that consistency. Yeah. yeah. And we found that as we've grown and then right. the balance of the two is what makes for a great culture. Because mm-hmm. if you have too much of one or the other, it, it doesn't actually work very well. Um, people don't want to feel like they're robots, right? right. And they just follow the protocol and and if it's just all winging it every day, then it's hard to repeat that and to be successful and grow. And so I, that's probably one of the other things I'd have done a little bit differently was be a little bit more selective about the clients we work with and find someone where that was a little more process-minded earlier on. But that process-minded person can't be the visionary. No. <laughs> I agree. There, there has to be somebody standing in the front of the boat pointing their arm to cross the Delaware. I mean, (laughs) somebody says this is the direction we're going. Your guy's job. It's you figure it out. You figure out how we can do it, how we can make it happen. So um, I want to, I want to take about a 90 degree turn here. And, and uh, I was listening to a, a, an interview you had done um, probably in the last year or so on YouTube that uh, you talked about this, you told this story and I, I actually laughed when I, when I heard it and I probably laughed at more of a nervous laugh than, a, than an actual laugh because I, I tried to put myself in the position you were describing. I'm thinking I, I probably would have shot myself, or, you know, in that process. But tell me this about the story about your, was it your senior year in college? You you did oh, seven credit hours. I don't I don't I don't want to go I don't want to go back there. I still have nice <laughs> that year. Wow. So I am. Um, let's see. It would have been. So I did I did fifty seven credit hours in one year of college. You need one hundred and twenty credits to graduate. I did fifty seven <laughs> in one year. I was, I was a junior for- by the end of my first year. <laughs> okay, so you know you know about this. No, I I mean um, you. I didn't. Oh, got it. Got it. Yeah. Um. I worked full time. I was a scoutmaster uh, for a, a youth group, um, and man, that was just married. Had your first child. Married, had our first child. Oh wow! Um, and it was so stressful. And and two things that made it. One of the, I didn't even mention. I got shingles that year. And shingles is a re- resurgence of the chicken pox that old people with weakened immune systems. Exactly. Or really, really stressed college kids. Okay? <laughs> um, and then I also was uh, playing a, ultimate game, uh, a game of ultimate Frisbee after a scouting activity. Landed weird. Broke my leg into like 10 pieces and damaged all sorts of ligaments and tendons in my ankle. Uh, the week of finals of all things. And, uh, you know, and I look back at that year and I wonder why I was in such a hurry. But uh, uh, one thing that just, again, I still have nightmares about that year. And it was one of the best learning experiences uh, of, of my life as well. When I had that injury, um, I had uh, our, our landlord. She was just a fantastic lady and called me and said, don't worry about rent this month. Wow. Um, my employer called me and said, hey, we're still going to pay you even though you're not coming in. And we've set up a laptop for you to work from home when you're ready. 
Um, I had some kid from my class that I didn't even know his last name showed up with notes from classes to help me be prepared for finals and what was going on. Um, one of my teachers said, don't worry about it. You're doing, it was my marketing actually class. And she's like, I ah, will just give you an A. You're doing great. Um, my, my family and friends and the people that were there to support me. I am such a prideful, I serve other people. I am not, I don't get served. <laughs> I serve other people, you know, like, um, what a, what an awesome experience for me to like be humbled and to need help and to just realize, uh, and, and really appreciate the amount of great people uh, in my life that were mm. really there in a moment that I needed them. And, uh, so that was, that was a great year. One that is still, uh, again, I, I literally will wake, have a, a nightmare that I forgot to go to a class all semester, that I broke a leg, that something crazy happened. But I look back and probably the best learning experience was, and it's okay for me to be served to, you know? How does the, the book, A Tale of Two Cities, start? It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Yeah. <laughs> I can... Everything wrapped up in that in that uh, twelve month period. I I can't even imagine. I, I mean, I can just see a professor. You know, you call him. Uh, I, I broke my leg in ten places. Could you not just come up with the dog ate my homework? I mean, really, <laughs> this is this is what you're going to do to get out of a final. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. wow, ten places. You do you still have like residual, like issues with? I mean, you break it. You break something in ten places. It it's probably going to heal differently than it started well they put a plate on the bone uh to kind of hold it in place i still have that plate in there with 10 screws in it and um doesn't set off the metal detector i, I was going to ask you that question, <laughs> wants to know that question. um doesn't set off the de- uh, the, the the metal detector but uh, yeah it still aches like if i play basketball or do something that's pretty uh, jostling uh, on your joints and your ankle, I can feel where that plate is because it, it removes some of the flexibility of the bone. Oh, for and sure. So I can kind of feel where it's at. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Jacob, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, I could talk to you all day because it's, it's a space I love to talk about and, and you, you're, you have a very engaging manner as well. So it's just really good to, to take your time. I know your time is very valuable, but can you just wrap us up and, and uh, just, just leave our listeners with, you know, one or two, three things that if you, you could teach a little micro course on, on somebody that's just getting started in this business to, to really focus on when they're, when they're thinking about Facebook advertising or thinking about, you know, just using social media in, in business and just getting started. What are, what are two or three things that, that you would really advise someone early stage just to focus on? Yeah, the, the number one mistake that I see people making is um, in the early stages, there's not a lot of marketing dollars. And I understand mm-hmm. that. And what, excuse me, what too many businesses are doing is they're taking that really small amount and they're spreading it out. Mm. And they're spreading it out so thin that they're bidding on hundreds of keywords on Google. Yeah, They're, they're, they're targeting either really broad or too many audiences on Facebook or Instagram. And They've just spread it so thin that by the time they actually spend their first few grand in advertising, there's no statistical significance to anything that they learned mm-hmm. because they spread their budget too thin. So then they spend their first five grand. It probably didn't work very well. And they have nothing to show for it at the end of it. When, when my recommendation is just keep it so incredibly simple. Start with an audience. Start with a couple keywords. Um, 
run your ads and see how those perform, right? Um, so that you can actually get to the end of that and say, well, at least we know if this one worked or this one didn't. Right. And, and it's like you've said, start with the end in mind and on a limited budget, on a shoestring budget earlier on, even if it's in an established business where you're starting a new product or a new service line or whatever that is, always set yourself up with the business question that you are going to answer when you're done running the campaign hmm. and make sure that you can get the information that you need to answer that question. I'm going to spend this budget. I'm going to see the question I'm going to ask is uh, what benefit or what pain point in my ad copy drives the best engagement. And then I'm going to very narrow targeting two or three ad variations. And at the end of that, I'm now going to understand what pain point or benefit best resonates with my, with my audience. And now at least I've answered a question that gives me value, whether or not it returned a financial return on that initial test. So how would they determine that if they're, I mean, I'm, we're talking really early stage. How would they determine the business question they're necessarily trying to, to answer at the end of the campaign? I mean, is that also a process? I mean, is it not just, I, I want a client, you know, that's the business question. I want, I want people to sign up to my course. I want people to, is it more specific than that? I mean, you need to drill down yeah. more than that. It has to be because on a limited budget, if you say the business question is how do I get people to sign up? You spend a little bit of budget. Um, it did or it didn't work. Now you're flipping right. a coin, but you don't understand why. Exactly. Yeah. That's why you have to be more specific with the question. And yeah, you're always going to measure if it, if it got you what you needed from a business standpoint, yeah. but you've got to be more specific. And the question's, if I'm in a proven industry, I'm a plumber. I know people need plumbing services. Yeah, the question might be a little, can I bid on this keyword? Maybe that's okay, but I would still even argue that's still going too broad and asking the wrong question first. It's, you know, how do I position myself differently and what, what thing uh, gets them to click at a higher rate than the other? Or what do I put on my landing page that gets them to pick up the phone and call or fill out the form or to buy the product? Um, at a little higher rate, even if it's not profitable, which one right. is engaging and, right. and getting that to work first. You gotta have a specific question and just getting a sale. Uh, can I get a sale? Like that's, that's what basically everybody does. And then they get to the end of it and they can't give any explanation as to why or why not. It didn't right. Work. Right. I mean, they could still be doing all the wrong things and make a sale. That's, that's exactly right. You know, so that, that has really shown you nothing, you know, in, in the, in the outcome of, of that test. So was there anything that I haven't touched on that uh, you want to touch on just as we wrap up here and just, you know, let people know how they can find you online? Yeah. You know, I think at the end of the day, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, businesses come to us because they, they want help growing. And, and what we're known for is uh, a really effective and smart advertising, Google and Facebook and Instagram. Um, that's what people come to us for. They typically lack the bandwidth or expertise to do so themselves and they engage us to, to help them figure that out. Uh, the best way to, to find us or have a conversation about it, um, we actually have a free audit software. So if you're already running some ads and you just want some perspective on how it's doing, we'll run an audit and give you a great deliverable that you can go and execute on yourself. Or if you want our help, we'd be glad to help and, and do that as well. But the best way is just reach out to us through our website at disruptiveadvertising.com. Okay. And we've got a fantastic team of strategists that are glad to chat with any business. Um, of every hundred that reach out to us, we don't, we're only a good fit for about 20 mm -hmm. um, of those. And so we'll be the first one to tell you if we're the right fit or not to actually help. 
And then most of the time we can just point people in the right direction on how to take it to the next step. Right. What a nice problem to have though. You, you have companies that are coming to you and you're actually just, you know, you're working with 20% of the, of the companies that are actually reaching out to you. So obviously you're doing something right. Yeah, I'd like to do <laughs> so. a lot of things right. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, Jacob, it has been a true pleasure to have you on uh, Rising Tide, and just thank you again for your time. I know you've got uh, 119 people uh, sitting on the the backside of that camera waiting on you to, to lead them into the weekend, and and uh, but uh, as we come across people that might be a good fit, we'll certainly send them your way, and and uh, just try to do our part to help promote the services that you provide, and and uh, just thank you again for just taking your time and just helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Jacob, have a great day. Thank you.